Less than 24 hours, Georgians will be under a shelter-in-place order. McDonald, though, said he did not know the man was handcuffed and was trying to use his foot to pin him to the ground so he could be handcuffed. If your friends, neighbors, or local organizations are not complying, report them to us. Hello and welcome to the Free Georgia Podcast. My name is Jake Green, flying solo today, and we're going to talk about fear for a little while. I just got back from a trip to Mexico, which is why this podcast didn't come out on Tuesday. It's coming out on Friday. Um, Mexico was very interesting. I was not expecting a bunch of the things that I saw there. Um, I imagined that the citizens would be less cooperative, uh, just basically live their lives the way that they would like to live their lives. However, it's definitely not the case. Um, While there is some of that, there are definitely some libertarian things that, uh, that I saw down there. But the thing that struck me most was how many people still are wearing masks and how seriously they take it. There are some places that don't give a crap and will allow you to not wear a mask. Some Ubers didn't force you to wear a mask. Um, But flying to and from, actually just flying from, American Airlines didn't make me wear a mask, but any Mexican airline makes you wear a mask the entire flight, just like it's 2020. And there's no science to back up their position. (laughs) So it was kind of frustrating. to get down there and have to go, I don't know, buy a mask, which sounds so stupid. It sounds so stupid to complain about just something so small that just, you know, fits right over your face and protects other people, though that has definitely been proven to not be the case, especially all of these cloth masks, these surgical masks. None of those actually do anything. Um, the, A bunch of the studies that I've read have demonstrated that a KN95 mask will help mitigate about 10% of whatever virus is trying to, it's trying to protect against. So wearing those surgical masks, wearing cloth mask, bandana, those do absolutely nothing. Yet that's what everybody down there was wearing. I saw maybe one or 2% of the people wearing KN95 masks. And it was just kind of enlightening and kind of made me <laughs> um, appreciate, appreciate Georgia, appreciate uh, uh, living here in the U.S. a little bit more. Um, I know that the mask mandate didn't end too long ago for us as well. But in Georgia, we never really had to deal with that after four months or so, five months maybe. I mean, we shouldn't have had to deal with it at all. People should have been given the choice, given the option to do with it what they may and determine whether or not they wanted masks in their stores, they wanted masks in their you know, restaurants, all that kind of stuff. But they weren't. Uh, mask mandates went into effect. And it was even more annoying when it was... Um, when it was on 
plane travel because you're sitting there for three freaking hours with you know something over your face you can't can't breathe as well it limits your oxygen you get yelled at if you take it off if you happen to wear a uh, inappropriate one they'll sometimes try to kick you off the plane <laughs> Um, I made it a game to see how far into the airport and how far onto the plane that I could go without wearing a mask. And about mo, I don't know, I would have to put it on through security right when I got to the front of security line. And then I take it right off. No one would care. And then I would most of the time have to put it back on to get onto the plane. There were times when I didn't. And my mom would do this thing where she'd buy a, like a one pound bag of peanut M&M's and just eat those one by one for the whole flight. Just crazy slow and not have to worry about the annoyance of a mask. So, yeah, the experience down in Mexico was good. It uh, definitely opened my eyes to a little bit, or reminded me, I guess, because I've, I've traveled quite a bit and I've been to a lot of, a lot of places, but definitely reminded me how good we have it here in the u.s there were a lot of great things about mexico city that i loved uh, the food the walkability of the city uh but things that i disliked were you never exactly felt completely safe i guess uh you walk you know one street to the next and you're going from high-end area to very low-end area and there were just times when it felt, you know, uneasy. But when you're traveling with a guy that uh, knows pretty hardcore self-defense and uh, can handle himself in a fight and in a confrontation, it kind of makes it a little easier. Um, you don't really think about that too often. And to be honest, I never really felt threatened. I never felt like I was in danger in any way. There was just a slight feeling of uneasiness and that could have just been because, you know, it's a country that I've never been to before or a city that I've never been to before. Um, we, you're, you're accosted constantly by people trying to sell stuff, which is fine. You just got to learn to tell them no. Um, wear your, uh, wear your wallet and your phone in your front pocket. Maybe zip that pocket if you got a zipper uh, or put it in put it somewhere safe because it can get pretty crowded. People can bump around and it's easy to get pickpocketed in a place like that. But overall, fantastic time down there and would highly recommend Mexico City to anyone who wants to visit a place that has incredible food. Fantastic food. Also visited one of the best soccer stadiums in the world, Azteca and watched a local game there. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was one of my life goals was to go to Azteca. And so I got to check that one off the list. But some of the things that I noticed, aside from the masks, they have uh, what you would call free public Wi-Fi. And I guess the saying is, if something's free, then you're the product. And in order to sign up for their free public Wi-Fi, you have to hand over an enormous amount of, of information. 
uh, and it's something that I chose not to do because I'm not not looking to have the Mexican government uh, look into my look into my phone, look into my data, have access to any data that I have there. So it was interesting, and it brought up or it, it came up again when I got back, and I had a communications meeting uh, with Libertarian Party of Georgia, and. I was told by Elizabeth Melton, who's our director of communications, that uh, cities here in Georgia are starting to push to become smart cities. And this is something that we're going to talk about a little bit in the future, but I would like to just bring it up now because it is kind of a horrifying situation. So what the government is doing... I believe she said in Columbus, you might want to check, quote me, don't quote me on that, just check to see if that's true. In Columbus, Georgia, we'll say, they're trying to implement what they call a smart city. And what they really are, are spy cities. So we're going to do some counter branding and call them spy cities and not smart cities. They're trying to put facial recognition in all the cameras add more cameras. They're trying to put heat sensors everywhere that can tell the temperature of a human being. They're trying to put drone landing pads on top of security poles and basically make it so that anywhere you go inside that city, they will know who you... Sorry, that was, those were my dogs. Something loud happened. Um... You know what? I think something fell on the roof. So I'm going to pause <laughs> and be right back. All right, we're back. I have no idea what just happened out there, but there was definitely a big thud <laughs> that uh, reverberated through my house, and then all the dogs freaked out and ran outside. So didn't see anything on my roof. I have no idea what it was. Maybe it was just one of the dogs falling off the couch or something. Anyway. I got to remember where I was now. That's great. We're talking about smart cities. There it was. We're talking about Columbus. Okay. So, basically, this government, this local township or city or whatever you want to call it, uh, has decided to try to turn their city into a spy city in order to keep tabs on all of its citizens or what will probably be referred to in the future as subjects um, and quote unquote, keep them safe, keep them safe. That's, that's always the, uh, it's always the reasoning when implementing any kind of authoritarian measures is we're just trying to keep you safe. We're trying to keep you safe from each other, safe from criminals, safe from anything except themselves, basically, because the, biggest perpetrator of crime and violence in the world is the U.S. government. And the fact that they're trying to create a quote-unquote smart city uh, in order to keep people safe and keep their city running efficiently is laughable. It's kind of terrifying. It's, it's some of the same tech that they're using in China with their social credit system. And the fact that it's coming here to Georgia it really gets you thinking, you know, it's, it's some of the same tech they're using in the 
Chinese social credit system, tracking everything, tracking all your movements, all your financial transactions, everything. And it's coming to Georgia. That's bizarre. That should make you think. That should make you think about how you're planning your life over the next five to 10 years. And like what what measures you're taking in order to be self-sufficient, in order to not rely on the government. Because in the end, that's what the Libertarian Party is all about. It's about personal responsibility. And if you're not, if you're not preparing um, for something that, granted, may never come, there may never be some insane thing, insane event, insane measures that the government takes um, to force you to to basically strip you of everything that you have and and leave you penniless and homeless and all these different things. Or, I don't know, maybe we'll have a food shortage and learning how and knowing how to grow your own food will probably be pretty valuable in that kind of situation. Or maybe, you know, we'll have another pandemic. Maybe monkeypox will go crazy or just the government will tell you that it's gone crazy and they'll reinstitute lockdowns. I'll tell you what, if 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 Abrams happens to win the governorship this year, which praying she does not, you're going to see more authoritarian measures uh, come to Georgia. She's she's preaching all this helping people and like helping Georgians rise up and all this crap. Um, without actually giving any actionable ways to do it that haven't already been disproven as ways that only hurt communities. Um, we'll go over that in a future podcast. We're going to talk all about Stacey Abrams um, uh, over the next month or two. Uh, we'll have a whole podcast dedicated to it. But uh, we'll also have one dedicated to Kemp because he ain't much better. But it's just this idea of living in fear. You see it. You've seen it for the past two and a half years. You've seen friends live in fear. You've seen people you don't know live in fear. You've seen you've been attacked because the other person is living in fear. Fear makes people do crazy things, and it makes you completely irrational and rely only on your emotions and completely disregard the facts of a situation. And the more things like smart, well, spy cities are promoted, the more times you hear a government say, we, we're looking out for your safety, the more you should be suspicious. And the more you should fight against that fear that they're trying to instill in you, because they are. In fact, let's look at, I think I pulled up an article here. Let's look at this. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, mosquitoes in Atlanta again test positive for West Nile virus. Holy cow, what? All right, let's just go down a little bit. I mean, if that doesn't instill fear, um, if that's not intended to instill fear, then uh, it's a really crappy headline. Uh, Let's see. Mosquitoes that tested positive for West Nile virus have been captured in three separate traps throughout Atlanta. 
Traps were located in these places, yada, yada, yada. Most people infected with this virus don't feel sick, with about one out of every five people infected developing a fever or other symptoms, and one in every 150 infected people developing a serious, sometimes fatal, illness, according to the Atlanta-based Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Fulton Health Department set out traps from July to October every year to test mosquito larvae to see if they contain any diseases. This comes two weeks after the trap at Herman J. Russell West End Academy and stared mosquitoes that tested positive for the virus. Anyway, let's just go back to this one paragraph. Most people infected with this virus don't feel sick. Why is this an article? With about one out of every five infected developing a fever or other symptoms. Fever or other symptoms. Sounds really terrible. With one in about every, with one, wait, and about one in every 150 people developing a serious, and then they put in, in between two dashes, sometimes fatal. The specificity of that sentence is amazing. They really nailed down that percentage of people that uh, die from West Nile virus. In fact, let's just do a quick Google search. What is the death rate of West Nile virus? Let's see. What should we open here? Should we go to Medscape? We'll open a couple. We'll go to CDC, and we'll go to Wikipedia, and we'll go to Medscape. Let's see. Come on. Oh, come on. I got to have a freaking account? Stupid. Oh, and that site can't be reached. Oh, good job, CDC. Discovering the United States. Let's see, the mortality rate. Interesting. The mortality rate is higher than you would assume. How is that possible? Let's go back and look at this. One in every 150 people infected developing a serious, sometimes fatal illness, which puts it at like 0.66%. But these are saying it's anywhere from 3% to 11%. Uh, granted, this is Wikipedia, so Wikipedia could definitely be wrong. This is why, what the heck? Is the CDC.gov might be down. I mean, that's, that's a blessing for humanity. But it's just super interesting that... This is a whole this is a whole problem with with people freaking out over different things because you can find data. This person clearly found data to back the back up their findings. It looks like uh Atlanta-based CDC. Um one in every 150, so their their findings were 0.66%, whereas the Wikipedia page was anywhere up to 11% uh, fatal illness. So who do you believe? Like, 
who do you believe? And the uncertainty really does promote fear. The deluge of information that you can find on a specific topic definitely promotes fear and uncertainty. Um, and it's, it's never good to act in fear. And I, I just can't, I cannot recommend enough to start learning how to start adding skills to your repertoire. So as soon as the lockdowns started in 2020, my wife and I started a garden in our front yard, massive garden, took us full two days to till the stinking land. And then another few weeks to, to, you know, make the rows, plant everything, grow the seeds from nothing, do the little seedlings in our, in our like basement crawl space area. We learned so much and we ate fresh vegetables, uh, for fresh fruits and vegetables for, I don't know, like nine months to a year. We were having all sorts of delicious stuff and it's well worth it. And it's something that is extremely applicable to life and very rewarding, I will say. Um, but just things like that. Just add skills to your repertoire in order for your, you to be more resilient to, to events that may occur that are outside of your control. It'll make you a better human. It will help ensure or at least help prevent bad things from happening to you and your family. Not every bad thing, but some bad things. It will allow you to help other people in times of crisis. It's just good to add skills to your repertoire, learn about new things, and figure out how to survive in almost every situation. Because the way we live now is not the way most people have lived forever. Uh, we live in an extreme amount of comfort. I forget what I just saw a quote the other day. Something about, something about how um, comfort, getting too comfortable is, is the death of ambition and taking risks. And I wholeheartedly agree that the more comfortable you get, the more things you have in place that keep you nice and safe and tucked into your little hole, to your little house, to your little community, um, that those things will end up preventing you from taking risks and going out and doing things in the world um, and taking chances and, you know, doing things like learning new skills. <laughs> uh, learn how to farm, learn how to shoot, learn self-defense, learn how to build things, how to you know, how to cook. All these things are vitally important when the comforts start to disappear. And with the upcoming recession or the recession that we're technically already in, um, it's going to get in my, pre my prediction is it's going to get much, much worse um, as far as the recession. Uh, so yeah, I mean, my, my, my biggest sadness during the pandemic was seeing how many people were controlled by fear. And uh, you know, I lost friends who 
just couldn't get past their emotional their emotional reaction to the lockdowns and the virus and all that um, and would just take it out on me and I know a ton of people who the same thing happened to them and those uh, like you want to be mad at them you want to you want to yell at them and just kind of dismiss them but really in the end you kind of feel sorry for them because they're just letting their emotions run their lives. They're not thinking logically. They're not thinking critically. And something that Shane Hazel said in his podcast the other day, his, his podcast is a place for critical thinkers. And I think that's literally what the libertarian party is. We're not here to say, you need to think like us. We're here to say you need to think for yourself. Stop letting people tell you what to do and what to believe. Start thinking and analyzing and critiquing things that you have taken as a given for years and years and years and years. I went through this. It's extreme. It was extremely difficult for me to, to accept that George Bush was a terrible president. That was really hard for me because I grew up very Republican, went to his rallies, grew up in Dallas. I could drive five minutes and be at his house. Not that I ever did, but I could. And, you know, that's deep-seated, that's just deep-seated thoughts and ideas. And it's really difficult to face that and to question it, especially after living it for 20 years. And what I would like to encourage people to do is question everything, question everything. It is not wrong to, I was told, I was told by one guy who, who quit being friends with me that, uh, doing my own research made me, made me an idiot. Basically it made me, uh, what was what was his exact phrasing? I mean, he called me an idiot in there for sure, but he uh, basically doing my own research and compiling evidence from multiple different sources rather than just believing the corporate press or the government made me foolish. How ridiculous is that? I mean, that's insane. And he's sitting there living in fear, taking it out on other people and not enjoying his life. I mean, that's a brutal existence. And man, I don't want any of y'all to to be living in fear. And there's, let me, also let me, uh, let me make the distinction between living in fear and being prepared. Okay. I'm a very well-prepared person. There's a ton more I can learn. I need to get way more into self-defense and a whole bunch of other stuff, um, but particularly self-defense, uh, hand-to-hand combat kind of stuff. So the difference between living in fear and being prepared is living in fear means your emotions are running, are, are driving the car. They're the, the, your emotions are the ones making all the decisions, and you're not thinking rationally about anything. When all the lockdowns started and we realized, oh my gosh, they're printing $6 trillion dollars, they're going to cause a massive amount of inflation. 
um, which is going to cause us to go into a recession. My wife and I saw this a couple months in, and we started preparing. We said, okay, what are the, what are the most logical things that could happen? Um, disasters, um, government overreach, that kind of thing. What are the most lo- likely things that will happen within the next five to 10 years? And let's just prepare for those. Let's figure out how to farm. Let's, you know, practice shooting. Let's, you know, learn how to cook, learn how to, I mean, I, 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 can, I can wire a house now, which I couldn't do before. I can plumb a house, which I couldn't do before. Uh, I, I've learned all of these things uh, through basically YouTube videos. Just YouTube videos. You don't have to go to school for any of this stuff. You can learn. There's an enormous amount of information on the internet, as was discussed a few minutes ago. And it's all there for you to go see for free. And it's incredibly helpful. So yeah, that's the difference between living in fear and being prepared. Being prepared, you're thinking rationally, you're setting out a plan, and you're making it happen. Living in fear means your emotions are driving driving the car and it's this zigging and zagging and this way and that way and up and down. You never know what's going to come and you never know what you're going to do next because you're reacting to what happens in the outside world rather than being prepared for what happens and then just adapting. Huh. This has been quite a rant. And it all started with Mexico. I got to say, some of those tacos in Mexico are unreal. I mean, the chilaquiles, if you go to Mexico and you don't get the chilaquiles with uh, the green sauce, the verde sauce, you're a fool. Get it. It's freaking delicious. Well, y'all, I... I'm getting a lot of requests for people to come on this show uh, and for me to chat with a bunch of people. So I'm considering upping it to two times a week. I don't know how I'm going to do that with my schedule, but maybe I can make that happen. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping over the next couple weeks, I'll start to I'll start to add another one. I'm also going to try to make a schedule and put it up on lpgeorgia.com along with uh, the new logo for the podcast and all that kind of stuff. So if you are looking for any information, if you want to join the Libertarian Party, if you want to donate to somebody's campaign because it's a big election year here in Georgia, go to lpgeorgia.com. And there are tons of resources you can see. Let's see. You can see our platform, headlines. You can see where all our affiliates are in the state of Georgia, what our bylaws are. You can even find out what is a libertarian according to our website. Um, You can sign up. uh, You can see our events. You can register to vote. You can submit a blog. If you have something that uh, you think... The Libertarian Party should be made aware of and should publish. You can submit a blog post. Um, you can also run for office if that's something that you would like to do in the future. If you're already a Libertarian or thinking about becoming one, uh, we are 
always looking for people to run for office, and we will do everything we can to help uh, in that regard. Um, we also have a store with some apparel and some other paraphernalia. Um, and then we have a bunch of these events. So go to our website, lpgeorgia.com, to check all that out. And that should do it for today's episode. So thank you so much for watching. And I'll see you next week.